0: So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting Bluehost.com. That's Bluehost.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan. And we are both very eager for this week's episode. Uh This was kind of a spur-of-the-moment topic decision, but we yeah. we got on the call like a minute ago, and we're like, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> um, so as I mentioned either last week or the week before, I have recently been getting more and more into fighting games. That's kind of been one of my new quarantine hobbies. Yes. And... That has been a lot of like Dylan and I hopping online and playing like Dragon Ball Fighters or King of Fighters two thousand two, and I've I've bought a bunch of other fighting games recently because I have become a little bit obsessed. Uh, well, let
1: me know what else you've got. Um, I I, think I picked I have up Blue and hmm?
0: I picked up Guilty Gear Rev two.
1: Uh, oh good, Rev two is on Steam. I couldn't find yeah. it.
0: And I'm I was looking at Blaze Blue because the Blaze Blue. Like, entire series was on sale on Steam the other day, but I didn't pull the trigger on that yet. Um, uh,
1: I would only get two of them. I would get Continuum Shift Extend, because it is the best one, and then I would get Chrono Phantasmic okay. or uh, Central Fiction, rather, because it's the last one.
0: Yeah. But anyway, so I've been getting more and more <laughs> into fighting games, and I found out about this game that was released Thursday. It was released on October 1st, called Footsies. Now, Dylan, if... A fighting game player is talking about footsies, what do they mean?
1: So footsies, also known as neutral, I I think, I I think the two are used interchangeably, um, is a concept in fighting games where, so you know, in fighting games it is one player against one player and they pick a character and then they pit their characters against each other. Um, they can throw out attacks. They can throw projectiles. Uh, they can rush down their enemies. You know they have all these different ways to attack. But what uh, footsie's refers to is the mentality to to be able to say, "I'm not going to throw out an attack right now. I'm going to gauge my opponent and see where they are and plan my positioning accordingly." Yeah, because footsie's isn't necessarily about dealing a super big combo footsies is about getting that first hit that is the start of maybe a potential combo but you're not you're not thinking i'm gonna do this combo you're thinking this is how i'm going to try to hit my opponent and how i'm going to try to avoid them hitting me it's like that first step
0: yeah it's the it's sort of the phase in the game where neither player has an advantage yet so they're you're you're jockeying for position you're moving in and out of each other's ranges you're maybe throwing out a jab here and there just trying to kind of get the other player to either slip up or to move into a space that you can take advantage of yeah uh and it like in the case of really high level fighting game players it is wild to watch like it's it's an incredible kind of dance but there is a game that has just come out called footsies and it is in essence the world's simplest fighting game (laughs) you cannot jump there are there is like a special move but in essence you you can move forward and backward if you are moving backward you will block and you can hit a button to throw out an attack and that's it and the goal of the game is to hit your opponent and then confirm that hit that jab into a follow-up hit and if you do that you take you know a point in the round and the first player to three points wins the round and that sounds really simple and that sounds really basic and I have played like four hours of it since Thursday. <laughs> and I work a full-time job during the week. So that's not, that's a lot of my, my free time. Um, but I bought a copy for Dylan too because it was—it was it's like $4 on Steam or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Dylan messaged me after playing it for a little bit. He was like, we need to talk about this on Backstage Gaming. Yes. I, and I, I
1: 100% agreed. I barreled my way through the arcade mode I still yeah, haven't beaten I, it.
0: I'm I'm stuck on goddamn one hit man. Yeah, because I just cannot get past his furious wall of super moves.
1: He, he he's the hardest fight in the game. Uh, there's there's one more enemy after that, but like that's more of like a joke. Yeah, it'll make sense when you get there. I don't yeah, want to spoil and- it because it it genuinely made me laugh out loud. That's
0: awesome. Uh, but so but what I wanted to ask is. Because I've got my own answer for this, but what was it about this game that immediately had you thinking, like, this is a good BSG topic?
1: A bunch of things, honestly. (laughs) Um, There's, you know, there's the fighting game fan and myself who, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of, like, my personal story playing fighting games. Like, how I started to realize things and get better at fighting games because it does it in a really specific order. In in a weird way, Footsie's is a game that tells a story entirely through its own mechanics. Yeah. Um, and it's it's the story of you, the player, getting better at fighting games, the genre, by learning the the fundamental foundation of all fighting game gameplay. Like, if if you were to make a flowchart for any given fighting game, the first box would be Footsie's. Not whether or not you can throw out a special move. Just if you can do footsies, and if you know the properties, the benefits, and advantages of your different normals.
0: Yeah, and that is something that I'm still very much kind of learning (laughs) in general with fighting games as I play.
1: I I definitely think footsies is a trial by fire in that regard. Yeah,
0: and I think that's one of the things about this game that I think is so cool, is it's, in essence, it's kind of a teaching tool. Yeah. Like, they have they have taken fighting games and they have distilled it down to this one fundamental element that every fighting game holds in in common. Like, it doesn't matter if you're playing a crazy anime fighter like Dragon Ball Fighters or Blue, or if it's more of a, like, back-and-forth ground game like Early Street Fighter or, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of fighting game you're playing. Footsies is kind of as far as I can think of, the only real common denominator. And so in choosing to boil this game down to just that, they make something that is like genuinely a cool learning tool. And they have a couple of like training mode exercises where all you do is try to whiff punish whiff punish your opponent or hit confirm your opponent. And that's it. And it is, I spent no joke, like an hour on that this morning and realized <laughs> that I am... Not great at either of them, but I was having fun trying to get better and trying to learn, like, the feel of Mm -hmm. how it feels to do that in this game and try to train myself into, like, good habits with it. Uh, And I think that's really cool. I think, like, the idea of a game that is entirely about teaching you to be better at other games like it is kind of fascinating. Yeah. Uh, The other thing that I was really... thought was fun, and again, this is kind of getting into... I haven't finished the arcade mode But the arcade mode functions as this really fun kind of, like, meta commentary on fighting games as a whole.
1: Yeah, and fighting game players as a community.
0: Like, each of the rounds in the arcade mode are a different, like, archetypal fighting game player. So the first one you fight is the spammer. The spammer. And all (laughs) all they do is just throw out hits, one after the other, one after the other. And if you get too close to them and you're not thinking and you don't know how to play around that kind of play style in footsie you will just get hit and so it is teaching you not only how to play other fighting games but how to play around the kind of the different kinds of people that you will run into playing fighting games
1: because in any other fighting game someone would just be like i'll throw out a projectile now but footsies is a game where it's like you don't have projectiles you actually have to make sure you're close enough Yeah, you don't have projectiles. You don't
0: have some invincible dash-in move. You can't jump in and get a good angle on their low. You have to know distances and know how to whiff punish and know how to time those things out.
1: So, you know, this is a thing that exists in a lot of fighting games. You know, this, you know, uh, like Chris was talking about earlier, this mentality. I think uh, something that Footsie's kind of removes from the equation that might be a hindrance to someone trying to learn fighting games in other games is matchups. But uh the, the thing about matchups is that a, a huge part of footsies is knowing the opponent's range. Um the, the technical term is the hitbox. Um so you can you can play outside of it. Um and that might be easy if it's a character that you're controlling, so you know your own limitations and you can more accurately gauge your opponent's conditions if you are the same character. Um, however, that's a lot more difficult when you have eight to fifty characters on your roster. Yeah. Um. So by removing that and just having it be this even playing field, I don't want to say the novice player, but you know the 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 new player is able to learn all of the potential ways they can get hurt faster.
0: Yeah. And it it's it's kind of falling into this, and I don't know I became familiar of with this kind of like dichotomy uh through games like League of Legends. But there is a break there's a there's a, a breakdown in, in competitive games where you can focus on either what are referred to as micro play and macro play. Mm-hmm. And so, micro play is the specifics in something like the League of Legends, knowing like your individual character's combos and knowing your individual limits and knowing like the best items to get and the best ways to like play out a specific matchup, like you were just talking about in like a you know a big fifty character anime fighter, or like when when we were tooling around in uh, in King of Fighters, and I was just like, I don't fucking know any of these characters, as opposed to macro play, which is more of the big picture conceptual like core mechanical game stuff so in something like league of legends that's about keeping an eye on the map and knowing when to move for what kinds of objectives and how to like properly contest vision in something like a fighting game that's your things like footsies or you know depending on the game knowing what if for example in something like dragon ball fighters there are universal like block strings that people can use they're like there are a certain number of different combos that are just kind of standardized across the entire cast and so if you know those and you know what those look like that's going to help you no matter what the matchup you're in and so that's kind of the the strength of footsies is by boiling itself down and by removing all of those different conflating elements that like might trap you into focusing too much on the micro play it's going to make you better at the macro play it's going to make you better at like this big concept kind mm. of
1: thing yeah sorry i was just thinking about how i can compare that to shmups um or oh, what i learned yeah. while playing shmups uh yeah so i i guess it's like you know talking about the micro and macro play in a more literal way is kind of what happened to me when i was playing shmups where at the be first only I'd a be... oh sorry thank you chris <laughs> or thank you stand in for the audience <laughs>
0: Thank you, Billy, <laughs>
1: podcast listener. <laughs> um, a shmup is a—it's a contraction of the phrase "shoot 'em up," which um, refers to a lot of different types of old school action games. But specifically, a shmup refers to the Space Invaders, Galaga kind of shoot 'em up, where you play as a ship and you are moving like the screen is constantly panning down. Um, to give the impression that your ship is moving forward, and as you move forward, enemies enter the screen, and um, will try to attack you, and you're basically dodging bullets and shooting as many enemies to score as many points as you can. There's a subgenre of shmups called uh, bullet hells, which have much higher density of bullets, um, and that's that's what I'm talking about right now. So. When you're playing a shmup, or at least when, I, when I've when i been playing shmups, um, and you're not entirely familiar with your character's hitbox, or hurtbox, hitbox, eh, it doesn't matter. Either um, one. <laughs> either one, in this case. When, when you're playing a shmup, you're basically paying more attention to learning the game, so you're looking at your character's uh, hitbox, trying to figure out where exactly on the sprite of the character you're controlling that is, um you're learning about the different bullet patterns, both because you've never played this level before, um, and maybe also bullets, different colored bullets or different shaped bullets have different properties, and you're not sure what those are yet. Um, So you're trying to focus on gathering all these details that while playing, you know, you're constantly going to run into something because your brain's trying to assimilate this new information. By the time you run a level like your 30th or 40th time... You'll have done it so much that you kind of implicitly know everything and so you're not paying attention to every individual element of a level so much as you are kind of just looking at the whole screen and you're you've kind of learned the enemy behavior so you can kind of manipulate them to aim at a certain side of the screen while you run off to a different side of the screen it's your, your knowledge has become greater because you're not so focused on trying to learn everything at once
0: yeah that's that's really cool i am very bad at shmups so
1: (laughs) i i was too man like give it a month give it two. uh they're not as hard to learn they're not as hard to learn as you might think
0: yeah i'm i'm sure that like with a little bit of effort i could probably get there but that effort currently is being (laughs) poured into fighting
1: games so yeah absolutely
0: (laughs) uh why don't we take a slide into the playbill and then we come out the other side i've got a couple other games i want to talk about that this game makes me think about because this game makes me think about a lot of things
1: (laughs) okay um oh shoot i want okay when we when we come back when we come back
0: (laughs) and we're here in the playbill where we're going to talk about other stuff that we do hey dylan Tell me about something else that you do.
1: Um, I talk about fucking mecha anime. <laughs> it's, it's cool, I guess. Oh um, <laughs> I, well, I talk with.
0: Consider a... me subscribed.
1: Yeah. Wow. What a pitch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. So I, I co-host a show about this old science fiction mecha anime called Macross, uh, Superdimensional Fortress Macross, and I do it with your friend and mine, Coop, um, and we. You know we talk about all types of things that uh happen in this crazy show about uh the fucking war and the military but also pop culture and um society and you know we we talk about it as like you know an action anime as a mecha anime as a work of science fiction um and i just i like to try to dissect every new episode um in as many angles as i can find so if that sounds interesting to you if you like mecha anime or science fiction uh, you can find our show, Dude You Remember, Macross. That is dude as in dude Where's my car. Um, you can find us on anchor.fm slash dude you remember. And we're also on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.
0: You should also go check out our uh, our sibling podcast, The Unexplored Places. It's an actual play show that Dylan and I are both on as player characters. We're currently using the uh I almost said Monster of the Week. I always almost say Monster of the Week. We're currently using the Scum and Villainy game system to tell a story about middlingly successful space criminals that are always one step ahead of the law and sometimes not even that far. It's a great show. It's a great time. I really think that if you like actual play shows, if you like sci-fi, if you like having a good time, you should listen to it and check it out on Twitter at UnexploredCast or by going to unexploredcast.libsyn.com. It's a great show. Thank you also... or. Thank you, as always, to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. It's a great show, full or a network full of video game related podcasts talking about video games from all kinds of different angles. We do it from sort of the big picture analytical side. There are uh, shows from the development side, shows from the fandom side, shows from the news side. It's all if you like video games and you like podcasts, there will be a show there for you, and you should go check them out on Twitter at HPVGPodNetwork. Thank you also to our patrons over at patreon.com slash bsgpod for supporting us, for doing everything that you do to help us not lose money making this show. It is incredible that we have the support that we do, and we love each and every one of you. That's right, even you. And if you want us to love you too you should go over to patreon.com slash and give us money. I guess this metaphor got away from me and I don't really love it anymore. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's all good, but yeah, we, we appreciate y'all. And that is a great way to show your support. If we are a show that you want to support, uh, and we appreciate everyone who has done that. Anything else from you, Dylan? Uh, nope, not from me. All right, let's dive back in then. So you, you had something you wanted to, to jump into when we came back.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I actually wanted to wrap up a couple things about, uh, footsies. Uh we we talked a little bit about how uh it's a commentary on. Actually, okay, no. I I think I think we talked about enough and if people want to know more, they should play the game.
0: Yeah. Uh I highly recommend playing it. It's it's very fun even for me as someone who is not very good yet. Mm-hmm. Uh But I one of the things that I kind of wanted to talk about is that I think that I love the idea of the simplicity of this game. I love the way that it like we've been saying this whole time, it is it is boiling an entire genre down to the core element that makes it what it is. And there's another game that I really love that I've, I've talked about on the show, but I think it's been a while since I brought it up. Uh, it was a game that came out a few years ago called Subsurface Circular. Okay. And Subsurface Circular is a game in which you play a detective robot who is assigned and, like, geo-locked to one train car. You cannot leave the train car, which means that the entire game is you sitting on this train car as it stops at various train stations and other robots get on and off. And you have to solve a mystery by talking to those robots as they co- as they get on and off the train. And it is an incredible... I'm not even going to go into the story because, this like... That's all the game is, and that's kind of why it made me think of this, is it? Ta- it's taking the idea of the old-school point-and-click adventure game, full of dialogue trees and puzzles and everything, and it's boiled it down to, it's only dialogue trees. It's mm-hmm. only conversations, and it's only finding the nuggets in one conversation that you can then bring into another conversation to get more information. And it is a delight in every way. Uh, I love this game so much. It's so fun and so charming. Um, mm-hmm. It's also by the same uh, team that made Thomas was Alone, which is another great game uh, that does this very well. Of like, it, Thomas was Alone is a platformer in which everything is a square, including the player characters. <laughs> but the different <laughs> squares that you control have different properties that let them jump in different ways. So it it's coming from the same kind of philosophy of like boiling a genre down to the minimum amount that will make it what it is. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's so cool. And like, I would love to see more games do that. Like, I think that, I think that there is, there's so much that you can do creatively when you take this idea of like, okay, what is the one thing that this cannot be a game without? Mm -hmm. And then, identify that and focus on that to the exclusion right. of all of the like bells and whistles that are usually attached to it. Because I, I, I like,
1: remember uh extra credits had like an episode on that for building a prototype for games. Oh
0: really? I haven't I don't remember that yeah.
1: one. Yeah, I, I I think that's the the title is Building a Prototype, but you might have to look that up and verify Yeah that. I'll
0: I'll I'll do some looking at that because that I just think that's a really cool way to go about finding how to do something different like footsies for the for all of the ways that it is every other fighting game in a nutshell i've never played another game like it Mm -hmm. same with same with uh subsurface circular i've played a ton of games that do everything that subsurface circular is but i've never played another game quite like subsurface circular in its single-minded dedication to that one gameplay element and yeah. i think that there's like there's sh- there's shortfalls there too like subsurface circular is i think a 2 hour game 2 or 3 hours mm-hmm. the the story mode or the arcade mode in in uh footsies is six fights five fights six fights i think okay yeah so there's there is definitely like that approach to design and that approach to thinking about games does impose kind of a uh, an inherent time limit of like you you're not going to get 20 hours out of a dialogue tree-only game. But you get three really cool hours, and I think that's awesome. And I I would love to see... Like, I would love to see that for JRPGs. I would love to see a JRPG that, like... I don't know what the nugget that they would focus on is necessarily. Mm -hmm. But, like, if somebody looked across all of the Final Fantasies and picked, like, okay, here's the one mechanic that you can't make a Final Fantasy without and made, like, a three-hour game just exploring every nuance of that mechanic i think that would be really cool
1: i would really dig that yeah and i don't know i don't know what that would look like i don't either
0: like i'm i am not a game designer i don't know what that would be but maybe somebody out there is and can make it because i like i think that I i think there is real strength in simplicity yeah uh to to draw in like our theater training look at a play like Waiting for Godot or Romeo and Juliet or like you know name a play that is that is obvious and and known to people outside of like people who go to see plays it's probably pretty simple Romeo and Juliet is an incredibly simple story that just like kind of winds around itself and and explores like the logical extreme of this one very simple idea Waiting for Godot is two people predominantly sitting and talking to each other about nothing. I think, like, there are a lot of stories and a lot of of books and plays and films that have done this kind of exploration into simplicity, and there's not as many games, and I think that's partially because gaming is still kind of... Like, video game development is still fairly young, mm-hmm. and so a lot of the drive has been like more and more and more more content more subsystems more things for the player to do right and i wonder and i'm I'm spitballing here but i wonder how much things like footsies and things like thomas was alone and this kind of like i can't even call it a resurgence because there's not that many i can think of but this this these developers making these very simple games, I wonder how much of that is, like, the pro- the the result of, like, the 30, 40-year nostalgia cycle. Mm-hmm. Like, people who grew up playing Kung Fu on the NES or huh. Super Mario Bros. Or, like, those games back from the era where you couldn't have dozens of subsystems. Right. Like, being nostalgic for that kind of game and iterating on it with... The benefit of the 30, 40 years of like game development knowledge that have come between, in a, that like, that, yeah. in a similar way that something like, in a similar way to something like something like Shovel Knight does, mm-hmm. but Shovel Knight is is itself not trying to be like, you know, as simple as the Mega Mans and the the platformers that it's aping. It's it's yeah.
1: Shovel Knight feels very modern. Yeah, um, in everything except its presentation, which is why it's such a runaway hit.
0: Yeah, and i I just think that's an interesting thing, and i'm I'm hope, in all honesty, I hope I'm right. I hope this is a result of like devs coming of age, wanting to explore that simplicity from when they were kids, because that means we're gonna yeah. get more stuff like this. Because that, that would be fascinating to me. Like, I'd love to see a take on like. Final Fantasy 1, mm-hmm. like, go back to Final Fantasy 1, dissect it from a modern point of view, and rebuild it into something as simple as that was, but, like, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, That sentence got away from me a little bit, but you know no, what but I mean. I get what
1: you're saying. <laughs> like, kind of polish away the worst elements while keeping the strengths of that simplicity. Yeah. So, like, you know don't aim for it to be a 35 that probably not that long but like you know 20 to 25 hour experience and yeah. shave it down so that you can have an enjoyable eight hour experience yeah maybe 12
0: yeah I don't know I I think that hey can okay this is a slight tangent okay but we what do if that all the time here. yeah what if <laughs> this was the last console generation? What, what if we all just what if we all just agreed that graphics are good enough? <laughs> because I think
1: they kind of are. Okay, okay, Chris, we at least need a next generation after this current one for the sole reason that I would like consoles to uh put a little bit more emphasis on frame rate over uh fidelity. That's fair.
0: That's fair. I'd also love to see at this point Xbox has written themselves into such a corner that I I want to know what the next <laughs> Xbox is going to be called. They tr- jump through. Yeah. <laughs> but like I and I here's my weird gamer fact. I've felt like this since like the Xbox 360 PlayStation 3 generation. Like I I have never been a person who cares that much about graphical fidelity. Mm-hmm. like that's a hot I th- take
1: but i'm impressed
0: i think it's cool i think the the degree of fidelity that we have reached is awesome i think that things like ghost of tsushima and uh oh what's the recent game i saw gameplay footage of that looked incredible i, I can't think of it now um but like i think it's it's genuinely super cool just how good we've gotten games looking uh, both in the hyper-realistic zone and in the more stylized realm. But, like, that's a double-edged sword because that comes with stuff like development crunch and, like, higher cost for developing games, which leads to higher cost for consumers. And I have, like, my... Me, personally, and I recognize that I'm probably much very much in the minority about this, but, like, I could happily play Breath of the Wild on like GameCube level fidelity. I don't know if it would work as well. I recognize that part of the joy of that game is the ridiculous draw distance of the terrain. Mm-hmm. But like that's kind of my my stance and I, I, I think that part of why we get so few games well, that are able to do interesting stuff like what we've been talking about in the AAA realm is that emphasis on fidelity.
1: Yeah. Um, I I would say that, you know, in regards to something like, what if Breath of the Wild ran on, uh, had the fidelity of a GameCube game, I would argue that um, if we stopped developing hardware at this generation or even last generation, that would have been possible if, you know, we had GameCube era visuals on a PS3, for example. We, yeah. could, we could probably make a breath of the wild game in that way unless you know there's other hardware advancements that I as a layman would not know. Um
0: yeah, and I I will fully plead ignorance to the tech side of things. I I understand that graphics get better, I understand that processors get faster. I do not understand the mechanics behind any of that.
1: No, I uh like I have a rough idea, but it's the roughest of ideas. Yeah. But yeah, no. I think, uh, regardless, I I do like that. We we've, we've kind of had a return to not simplicity, but yeah, simplicity. Simplicity um, and, um, and and fo- focus is kind of the focus. other element of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like you were talking about how you would like to see a revival of what was it? Shoot. Um, help me out. Uh. You you were saying I would like to see this take on a, like insert franchise here, or maybe I'm just misremembering. I do not remember. <laughs> All right, I, I'm probably you misremembering, can't expect me to but... remember the words that came out of my own mouth, <laughs> Dylan. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't matter. All I was going to say was that like you know a game that like takes even like some of the weirder, more idiosyncratic elements of Metal Gear Solid One for the PS One. That would be interesting, because I think there are interesting things to iterate on there. And by, like, kind of taking stealth, which is normally, like, this very complex um, AI-driven genre, by taking it and simplifying it again, where, like, you know, what was that noise? Oh, huh, nothing here, you know? <laughs> or uh, dead bodies that disappear, uh, because they don't need to be a hindrance to your progression. Like, stuff like that is, uh, I feel like you can do fun, interesting... Abstract, uh, stealth gameplay that way in a way that like the genre was never really interested in going. Yeah, I
0: don't know. This is a yeah. cool. It's just like it's a cool avenue of design that I would love to see explored more. Yeah, and in more genres.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: i say the one other thing about Footsie's that I really loved and kind of wanted to dial in more on is the degree of kind of meta-narrative that it uses.
1: Yeah, actually, I was going to talk about that a little yeah. bit.
0: like, we we mentioned this already, but, like, the in the arcade mode, all of the people you fight are, you know, gameplay caricatures of people who play fighting games. You have the spammer, you have the guy who just sits in blocks all day, you've got the guy who throws out raw super moves. And I think that that is hilarious. Um, yeah. And, like, so... Okay, definition time just to make sure we're, we're dotting our I's and crossing our T's. Meta-commentary and meta-narrative basically just refers to, like, all of the stuff that a a text, here meaning game, book, film, whatever, all of the information surrounding it that is not part of it. So, like, for example, if a film was known to have had a notoriously hectic and rushed filming schedule with lots of reshoots and stuff, that isn't part of the film itself, but that kind of sur- that knowledge and that information surrounds the film and becomes kind of part of this like external layer of information about it. Mm-hmm. And some properties, some texts choose to actively engage with their own meta narrative. See this game kind of taking the piss out of the fighting game community.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, and that's something that, again, I've like meta humor is common. Meta jokes, jokes about like, you know, a, a superhero movie or a superhero game that happened, that like pokes fun at comic books or something like that. That's been done a million times. Those kinds of meta meta jokes are everywhere.
1: Chris, is it okay if I spoil the last fight? I'm fine with it. I don't know
0: how long it will take me to get there, because I keep getting folded.
1: Okay, cool. So, (laughs) uh, like, as far as how meta it gets, when you fight, um, yeah, when you fight the final guy, the final guy's name, I believe, is something like Rollback Guy, and it is a simulation of someone you're fighting online, but with very bad netcode, <laughs> and so <laughs> that's and so, really good. Holy and, shit! It's so good, and so like the the game, uh, the the fight itself. It's no longer like oh he's spamming or whatever. It's that like you have to literally predict where they're going based off of the frame right before the frame skips. So like in any moment-to-moment gameplay, like the guy might be five feet in front of you, or They'll have skipped the frames where he, well, you can't jump in footsies, but, you know, he jumps back or backdashes or whatever. Um, and so you have a gap of information there that you need to fill or you need to predict before you get your butt kicked. That it's is such so a great funny. Moment.
0: That is so cool.
1: <laughs> and I'm I'm uh, going to brag a little bit and say I did it on my first try. Yo! But, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, good old uh Street Fighter Five. <laughs> that's hilarious. And that's what uh that's what prepared me for it. <laughs> um, which I actually I think that kind of tie that ties into what I was going to talk about. The note I was going to end on, which is my own personal anecdote with fighting games. Um, where you know my first series was Blaze Blue, which is one of the crazier series. I think um, that was technically
0: have... my first series too. <laughs> that like that small world. That's one of the first games I ever remember playing back with with Coop, funnily enough, back in high school.
1: Yeah, and so, uh, you know, you have air dashes, double jumps, uh, a lot of air time, a lot of combos, uh, just stuff like that. You have barrier bursts, uh, all these different things, all these different mechanics. And so that was kind of my, like, everything. I was trying to juggle all of that information at once. And then when I started to get into Street Fighter... Well, Street Fighter Third Strike is a little less acrobatic. There's a little less going on in terms of movement. So instead of focusing on the movement, I was focusing on parries. But also, that's kind of where I really started learning fundamentals. But not quite as well as I should have. I was still kind of over-relying on specials, not uh, closing in to get... You know, not my positioning in regards to the opponent. And so... Street Fighter Alpha was the next series I really got into where I started to pay more attention to what my normals were and the different properties of that. And, um, you know, all of those different things. Um, And then by the time I played Last Blade, the Last Blade AI was so difficult that, like, it really had me open my eyes and be like, alright, I had to start thinking about startup animations and, uh, you know, cooldown animations and all this different stuff, and so by the time I was playing Last Blade, I was basically around the same level as uh, Footsies forced me to play. And I think I guess if this is an endorsement of Footsies, it's that it somehow compressed a decade's worth of learning while playing fighting games into a neat, bite-sized little uh, $4 snack. (laughs)
0: That's (laughs) really cool. Yeah, I just, I I think that and again, this is one of those things where it's like I, I don't have a ton of other examples to point to and go like, this one did it too. Cause I haven't seen a lot of other games that engage with like the kind of meta commentary of their genre like this. Like I can't think of I can't think of an adventure game that is able to, like, thoughtfully poke fun at the conventions of adventure games like no more heroes kind of does it with character action games but it's still like not in quite the same way yeah and i don't know like it's again i i don't think every game should do this i think that would be exhausting but i think that it shows that there is there is mileage to be gotten out of being thoughtful and examining like the community and the conventions of whatever genre you're working in, because there's stuff there that you can mine. There's there's ideas that are worth like looking at and iterating on and reflecting on. And I think like I still I I genuinely laughed when I saw that Footsie's had an arcade mode because how I found out about it was was seeing. <laughs> Uh, somebody got ac- a YouTuber that I follow got access to, like, early copies and did a tournament with some of his viewers. So I saw the, like, gameplay between people, and I thought that was really cool. And then I opened it and saw the arcade mode, and, and the first guy I fought was the spammer, and I genuinely laughed. And I can't remember the last time a game got me to laugh that effortlessly.
1: Yeah, with- from, like... Sheer mechanics. There's not even really anything explicitly funny about it. It's just something that you get.
0: Yeah, and I think it's really cool. Uh, and I think that there are other genres and other other gaming communities that could tap into that same kind of creativity and that same kind of, like, self-awareness without being mean or petty about it. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing about footsies feels like it's reading, or making fun of the fighting game community. It's just right. kind of holding up an exagger It's holding up a fun house mirror. Yeah. In order to teach. And I think that's Absolutely. really cool. Anyway, this cool. this has been kind of a ramly episode, but uh, everyone go buy footsies. It's a really cool little experiment. It's like $4. <laughs> uh, I I want to see games like this take off because if it's not obvious yet, I think they're really cool and I would love to see more experiments like this. I will happily pay five dollars a pop for more game developers putting out weird little little like wind-up toy minimalist games like this because i think they're cool as hell anything else you want to throw out dylan before we wrap up
1: um yeah one more thing yeah uh in footsie's favor uh so when i was when i first started playing street fighter 5 online um I ran into an opponent who would do a Shoryuken sure dra- uh, Dragon Punch over and over again, and that was the only thing he did the entire fight. And he beat me twice um, because I sucked at neutral, and I always kept on trying to jump in to attack him when that's the last thing you should be trying yeah, to do. Uh, for for um, people
0: who don't know, a Dragon Punch is shorthand for a move that's invincible on startup. Like yeah, It, is, it, it is, is specifically designed to counter hits so jumping in and trying to hit is exactly what they want you to do
1: yeah it's invincible on startup and also it's an anti-air so if you're in the air you are kind of you're double dead (laughs) yeah exactly so i don't know it, it kind of it kind of brought back fond memories of me being more of a novice yeah and i feel like for novices it'll be a nice little education you know trial by fire obviously the game's not easy but you know it's it's a kind of a trial by fire of like this is where you're lacking yeah do something about it
0: for me as someone who's still very much like i very much am a novice at fighting games i feel myself getting better like the first time i I booted it up it took me probably four or five tries to beat the spammer and now i can do it reliably on my first try because i have learned like oh i know how to deal with this now I'm still getting there with the follow-up ones. The, most of them I'm I'm learning, but I like by putting it into those very clear terms and stripping away all the fat like we've been talking about, it makes it very easy to figure out how to improve without it needing to teach you how to improve. And again, that that's, it's cool as hell. It's a good game. Everyone go go give it a try or at least look it up and see if see if it looks like something you'd enjoy. And with that, shall we wrap up, Dylan?
1: Yeah, I think it's about time. Let's
0: wrap up. Thank you guys Actually, for joining how us. How long
1: have we been recording? Uh, about fifty kind of minutes. Curious,
0: it's been a it's been oh, an hey, episode. Nice. We get we got there. <laughs> hey. Hope y'all enjoyed hearing us kind of just ramble about this cool little game. Uh and I'm gonna do the same call to action I always do. If if there is a game that this topic has made you think about, please tweet at tweet at us about it because I want more games that live in this space to to look at and to learn from because I think they're cool as hell. Um But Dylan will tell you how to tweet at us. In the meantime, remember that wherever you're getting us, whether that's on the Apple Podcast Service, Spotify, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, leave a rating, leave a review. Tell your friends, your family, your dog. Get your dog into podcasts. Get your dog into our podcast. And then your dog can go and win Evo. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, spread the love. Also, go check out our website at bsgpod.com. It's got info about us. It's got a contact form if you want to reach out to us about anything. That's a great way to get a hold of us if you want to. Talk to us directly. The other great way to do that is on social media.
1: Yeah, so uh, there's the aforementioned Twitter, where our handle is at BSG underscore cast, and you can also find us on Facebook. And, you know, if you want to engage with us, um, you can spread engagement about us by using the hashtag BSGpod. Also, huge thanks to our friend Brennan French for the key art he has provided our show. Um, if you dig if you dig his stuff, you can find him on his Squarespace at brennan-french.squarespace.com. That is b-r-e-n-n-e-n-hyphen-french.squarespace.com. You can also find him on instagram.com slash brennanfrencharts or on Twitter, where his handle is at brennan underscore French.
0: You should also go show some love to our friend Bioquery. He's the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume One Instrumentality. He's a great composer, a great music producer, and you can find all of his music by going to SoundCloud.com/Bioquery. That's SoundCloud.com/BiOqUeRy, or by heading to Sound to uh, to Spotify and searching for Bioquery. As always. Thank you again to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. It's a great network full of shows about video games. We've already talked about it a little bit, but genuinely, if you like our show, you'll probably like at least a couple of theirs. So go check them out on Twitter at Network. And thank you again to our patrons at patreon.com slash bsgpod for making it possible for us to keep doing this without losing money. Uh, it still blows me away, the support that we've gotten there. And if you like our show and want to support it fundably, that is a great way to do that. That's patreon.com slash bsgpod. Anything else for the good of the order, Dylan?
1: Let's play footsies. Let's
0: play footsies. Let's do it. Bye, everybody.